As humans, we're naturally driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search. Match. With Indeed, when I was looking to hire someone, it was so slow and overwhelming. I wish I had used Indeed. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform, with over 350 million global monthly visitors according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. And Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash podcast. That's Indeed.com slash podcast. Terms and conditions apply. It is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper? A woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver. I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, void, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. The topics and opinions expressed on the following show are solely those of the hosts and their guests and not those of W4WN Radio. It's employees or affiliates we make no recommendations or endorsements for radio show programs services or products mentioned on air or on our web no liability explicit or implied shall be extended to w4wn radio its employees or affiliates any questions or comments should be directed to those show hosts thank you for choosing w4wn radio this is beyond confidence with your host divya park do you want to live a more fulfilling life do you want to live your legacy and achieve your personal professional and financial goals Well, coming up on Divya Park's Beyond Confidence, you will hear real stories of leaders, entrepreneurs, and achievers who have stepped into discomfort, shattered their status quo, and are living the life they want. You will learn how relationships are the key to achieving your aspirations and financial goals. Moving your career or business forward does not have to happen at the expense of your personal or family life, or vice versa. Learn more at www.diviapark.com and you can connect with Divya at contact at diviapark.com. This is Beyond Confidence. And now, here's your host, Divya Park. Hello, listeners. This is Monday evening and this is Divya. And I'm delighted to be back here with you. And just wanted to share that, you know, we were having some technical difficulties. So we apologize for starting out late. But the key is we are here with you. So I want to share with you that I have Jim. Jim, how would I say your last name? Oh, uh, Schlexer. It's not an easy last name. So, no, I did not want to mess up your name. So, you know, we have Jim Schlexer. Jim Schlexer with us. Delighted to have you. Welcome. Thank you. Thanks for having me, Divya. Absolutely. So, Jim, I am going to invite you to share about yourself. Um, sure. Um, I'm uh, I've, uh, an engineer by training and uh, kind of started out in engineering and did sales and marketing. And fairly early in my career, ended up um, running um, a business, sort of what I had always wanted to do. And, uh, you know, I'd followed some of the self-help uh gurus 
that are out there by writing down my goals and staying focused on them. So I got uh, to running companies fairly early. And I did, uh, I did that for probably uh, 14 or 15 years for other people. Um, and then about uh, 13 years ago, I started my own firm uh, where I do CEO advisory work. And I help CEOs improve their performance and improve their business performance from some of the learnings that I had, as well as uh, what I've learned uh, interviewing literally thousands of CEOs and working personally with, with hundreds of them. So that's, uh, that's sort of the basics on myself. Oh, fantastic. So, Jim, you know, our journey begins with being a child, right? Nobody gets there without going through the journey of life. So are there any remarkable moments that you remember from your childhood? Um, yeah, my, uh, if we go back to my childhood, my family moved uh, a fair amount. And, uh, you know, my dad had some wanderlust and changed jobs to try to continue to challenge himself. And he was sort of always learning. And so that message of always be learning was really an important one for me. But because I was always new to whatever neighborhood I was in, I developed the skill of uh, building relationships fairly quickly. Um, and, you know, that's a skill that served me, the ability to establish rapport and, and build a relationship with people I don't know. Um, so that, that was an important element that came out of how I, my upbringing and, you know, our, the, the moving around that we did when, when I was young and, and really almost my whole life. Well, you know, as they say, relationships are the bane of any career. Relationships are the bane of even a happy and joyful life because there have been studies out there that show that if you're happy, your friends will become happy and happiness is contagious. And actually, recently, I think so it was one of the Harvard studies that came out that if you're seeing a friend that you've not seen very often, and if you meet them quite often, like, you know, a friend that who uplifts you and elevates you, it is almost like earning $100,000 paycheck. Yeah. <laughs> well, I, I hope to be people's $100,000 paycheck then. <laughs> <laughs> and, and that's the beauty of relationships, right? Because relationships are great. So as you traverse through your life, uh, did you have any inkling in your high school or childhood as to what you desired to do? Um, hmm. Well, yeah, I, I'd actually say early in my life, I started reading um, business books, you know, Think and Grow Rich and uh, other books like that. And um, it struck me um, fairly early in life that we really only have a brief period on this planet. And uh, my question, you know, maybe this was precocious for being 13, but, you know, what am I going to do while I'm here? I don't have that long. So what am I going to do while I'm here? What am I going to, what's my contribution going to be? What's my mark going to be? And for me, that came down to business. I said, and I became clear really in my teen years, I said, I'm, I, I want to, learn how to run a business. And that's what I want to do. I want to make my mark through business as opposed to, you know, becoming a soccer player or an actor or something else that might've been a possibility. Mm. Now that's very profound thinking. Can you share with us? How did you arrive at insight? Because, you know, especially when you're young, usually teenagers or even students who are going to college, you know, it's just they're looking for fraternity parties, they're looking for 
something to do and even if it is hanging out with friends and kind of not doing much it's, it's just a joy of being with friends yeah to have that insight at so young an age was there anything that triggered it um you know i maybe a couple of things one is an admiration for my father and his skill at business but um and you probably hear this from a lot of people the ceos but um one of the books that i read and i was a profound reader even then and now uh was uh ayn rand and you know atlas shrugged as well as the fountainhead and how she elevated uh business people the creators people that create and drive uh, an economy and a society and um the positive message there about the ability of a business to impact society and people uh caused me to say you know and and i had a little skill in that area caused me to say that's sort of the path i want to take so i was never that much of a partier or uh so uh you know this is where i decided i you know not that i didn't but um I guess I thought deep thoughts at that age and, and then sort of went on a journey that got me to that place over, over time once I sort of said that's the direction I want to go into. Mm, fantastic because, you know, Think and Grow Rich and the other books that you have mentioned, they are such life-enriching books. Yeah. And books are just wonderful. You know, I'm a fan of books because books just open doors to the world that you may never be able to get a chance to go visit. So definitely... Mm-hmm. So as you continued reading books was there a particular book that left a mark on you for the rest of your life Oh gosh Davey that's like asking what's your favorite child right <laughs> <laughs> um, You know it depends on what sphere we're speaking about um in terms of the influence it would have you know in um certainly think think and grow rich is up there pretty far um uh actually funny enough zig ziglar um and more his speaking uh it was a big influence for me um brian tracy was of course as well a big influence for me I, ayn rand as i mentioned um and uh, the atlas shrugged which i think influenced a lot of business people um gosh i mean i could probably spend 30 minutes talking about the books that have influenced me cuz there've been dozens and dozens of them but those would be a few that are pretty high up on the list for me Oh, I totally resonate with that because you know what Zig Ziglar mentioned was that you know first you build people and then you build businesses. So I totally totally relate to that. Yep. And same yep. thing <laughs> with Brian Tracy. I mean, these are all world class leaders who are right up there and totally Classic. get it. You know the yes. the one the one line I like about from Zig is um you can get anything in life you want as long as you help enough other people get what they want. Mhm. And he said it in the context of selling, but I think it's true generally. And you know, it's sort of an abundance mentality that if I can create enough of it ends up in with me that that's okay. So don't worry about it. Think about what you can create and value and impact and helping other people and then your rewards are going to be there. Don't worry about that too much. And I think a lot of people get that upside down. They worry tremendously about what their reward is going to be. and they don't worry so much about creating the value and so i i like that in zig i like it as a philosophy and i've tried to you know as best i can i've tried to live that oh yeah no that's a tough mantra to live by but definitely a worthwhile mm-hmm. so as you push through along you know what had been your specific major through college 
my degree was in chemical engineering. Uh, you did say that you started out in engineering. Mm-hmm. So I wasn't sure, you know, if you studied something else and then went into engineering. So it was a core chemical engineering. And then as you move through the different companies, you know, as you work through the corporate world, what would you say were your experiences or if you can share a couple of stories that stand out that you would say was different than being in a corporate and then coming out and being a consultant or an entrepreneur mm-hmm. consulting the CEOs? Yeah, by the way, I also went and got an, M- a mat- an MBA on top of that. Um, you know, uh, a few things. Fairly early in my career, um, I ended up um, in marketing, um, mostly after I started my MBA. And um, one of the projects I got put on was really a sales project, as it turns out. And I, it may have been latent, but I was actually quite good at it. I mean, I was a pretty good salesman. Um, and that is a, a unique skill. Most people can't do it. They don't like it. They're afraid of it. So that just realizing that I could do that, even though I didn't think I had that skill previously, was, I think, a profound sort of element uh, element for me. Um, what, what really got me, and, and sort of my idea here was that at some point, and I actually had, like I said, I wrote my goals down, so I had a particular date in mind, that I'm either going to run a very large company or I'm going to jump off and become an entrepreneur and run my own company. And probably where that happened really struck me was I was in the process of acquiring um, maybe two points. This would be one of them. I was in the process of acquiring a firm uh, for the business I ran, and um, it, you know, I was about to write a very big check for two guys who didn't work nearly as hard hard as I did, and, you know, took a lot of vacation and so forth, and I said, wow, isn't that crazy, you know, um, I work my butt off, I'm, I'm, I'm better educated, I, and, and yet I'm about to write them a really big check for their company, and, and they've got a very nice lifestyle, that that's pretty profound that I'm in a company and I think it's safer, but they're about to really do well for themselves. So that struck me as one. And the other was I was involved in CEO peer groups. So you could think of this like the mastermind groups from Napoleon Hill, where I was with other CEOs of companies and we would help each other on our businesses. And it was a mix of professional executives like myself and uh, entrepreneurs. And, um, you know, the, the, the lifestyles that they could create, the impact that they could have, the control that they had, uh, just really struck me. Even though I was running pretty big businesses, they just had a. They were working on a very different place than I was, and mostly in the ability to run um, a balanced, uh, healthy life, uh, much better than you can in a corporate environment. And um, so that 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 attracted me. Those two things. One was sort of buying a couple of entrepreneurs' companies. And the second is hanging around with entrepreneurs and just seeing how they think and their can-do ability. And uh, it struck me that I was maybe more like them than I thought. Yes, definitely. Being an entrepreneur myself and having traversed the lifestyle of corporate, definitely what you say is that, you know, as an entrepreneur, yes, you work long hours. Yes, sometimes, you know, you you're on call, so to speak, 24 by 7, and yet you can design your life in a much better way to have that life balance in comparison to the corporate world. So we have a question from one of our listeners as to how did you know that going towards the entrepreneurial world was the right path for you? 
Um, you know, it may have been an, an overestimation of my abilities, but, um, you know, the ability to sell uh, was important to me because I knew that, you know, you really can't build a business unless you can sell. So I wasn't going to be dependent that I needed other people to help me sell. I could do that. Um, my prior, you know, I had a pretty good success in the corporate life. And, and what I saw was that for the for equivalent levels of talent, you get a better outcome in the entrepreneurial environment than you do in the corporate environment. The only difference is the willingness to take on and manage the risk around it, which most corporate people are not willing to do. So there are people that have all the skills and abilities in the corporate environment to become entrepreneurs. They just aren't willing to take on the risk of, you know, no guaranteed pay, paycheck, uh, that you have to create your own value. You, <laughs> you, you, you meld selling ability, understanding that if I create value for others, the value will come to me. And as I said, maybe an overestimation of my own abilities. Um, that really led me to feeling it was the right answer for me. And it was scary, you know, like anybody who jumps off a guaranteed paycheck and, a, you know, retirement and health care and all those good things. And, you know, they're on their own and there's no guarantee you're going to get paid next month. That's very, very scary when you when you uh, got obligations. Oh, I totally agree. Not only that, but as you mentioned, you know, having those, uh, well, pensions are no longer very no. prevalent. <laughs> but even 401k, where, you know, they're matching even if it is 3% or 4% to what you're putting in can be very much like golden handcuffs. And mm -hmm. I did experience that, but then there came a time when you just kind of move away from the corporate world towards entrepreneurship. So was it a smooth decision or was there an event that triggered the decision that this is it and I'm moving out? Uh, yeah. Um, I got fired. <laughs> That was the event that triggered it. So I was running um, a large division of a publicly traded company and a uh, new CEO came in and I think I was gone within 45 or 60 days. He put in his own guy in the, in the job and, you know, I had no resentment there. That's an occupational hazard at that level. Um, and at that point, after some soul searching, I became pretty clear. I wouldn't, was, didn't want to work for anybody else ever again. And mm -hmm. that's when I started my own business. So, I, you know, I'd love to say it was a carefully planned and methodical approach, but really I got shoved. And uh, But, you know, that's somehow, sometimes how the universe works. It, uh, things come into your life at the right time, even though you don't know that was the right time. Absolutely. And, you know, as you said, uh, it's uh, how universe works. And then look at it now, you know, you are in much better place. And sometimes it's just a ton of events that happens that comes along. And so the question came that did the CEO bring in somebody who was working at a much lower pay scale than you? Or was it just more of like, you know, I got to have my own person because I can trust him. I'm a new person over here. Let me start building my own circle of influence. Uh, I think it was more the latter. I, I don't know what he was paid. I imagine in a similar zone to myself, but um, but maybe not. Um, I, I think it was more about people he knew that he had worked with before, because this is somebody he brought through a couple of different companies that he worked at, and this guy kind of followed him in those various companies. So it was his guy, if you will. And, you know, that's fine. That's his prerogative. As mm -hmm. if he wants to bring his person in and you know, they, they treated me pretty well on the way out. So it was fine. It was, 
an option they had, they took it, and it, it was good for everybody ultimately. Oh, absolutely. And uh, this was a question from one of our listeners, just so that you know. And so as you move through, you know, as you established yourself, I see, you know, you have a very, very impressive profile on LinkedIn. You know, you're part of National Association of Corporate Directors. You are on chair talent and compensation, governance and nominating. So so many things are happening and now you are coaching CEOs. So was there a time period that took you to get into the field of CEOs or did that go smoothly for you? Um, you know, when, when I started it, uh, you know, I had no clients, right? So I had to, through the sales skills and the ability to uh, have people have confidence that I can actually help them, you know, I had to build that client base was handcrafted, you know, one at a time. And, uh, uh, and over time that became more and more. And eventually I brought in some additional people that use my methodologies to do some of the coaching. And, and now we have a half a dozen coaches and nearly a hundred CEOs that we work with. And I only work with a minority of them. Um, but in the beginning when, you know, everyone is personal, everyone is your effort. It's, uh, you know, I, my income wasn't what I would like it to be. And, you know, the hours were longer and, yeah, but, uh, I, I had confidence that it was going to be able to get there. And over really in the first year, I built enough momentum that I said, look, if I just keep doing what I'm doing, I should be okay. Um, at some point in the second year. And that's about how long it took to get to a rational kind of scale and income level and, uh, um, you know, enough clients. And then it kind of grew from there after that. Oh, that's fantastic. And one of the questions had come out, which you already answered, you know, the audience had asked, did you get right back in the saddle again? Or did you need time? So folks, as Jim mentioned, you know, it took time, there's never there's always a growth curve, it just does not happen in the wink of an eye or just uh, in a second like that. So you put in all the hard time. And yeah, I, 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 I should I should mention, by the way, that between sure the corporate job and starting this, I did take a, a few months break, you know, I said, mm -hmm. I had worked since I was 15 years old and, uh, said, you know, I have enough money. I don't have to worry about it. I'm just going to relax. And, uh, so I went and learned how to scuba dive during my time off. And, uh, <laughs> then I started the business. <laughs> That's fantastic. <laughs> See, it's, uh, it's finding that, balance in your life that okay i've got some time you know when am i going to get to learn again let me put my mind to it and learn from it and a really wonderful question has come in what i'm hearing is we can do it if we set our minds to it right yeah now yes and um you also need the right background education and skills so they talk about 50 percent of all businesses failing in the first year um, that happens when people start them without the basic skills, knowledge, and ability to actually run a business and do it effectively. You realize I, at that point, had had, uh, gosh, almost 20 years of business experience, including appropriate education. I'd really learned on somebody else's dime uh, in this corporate environment. I made plenty of mistakes using other people's money before I began to use my own money. Um, so, yes, and as long as you have the right education background skills to be successful in the area. You know, there are, there are businesses that I would have no business 
opening or operating because I just don't have the knowledge and skills to be good at it. So this one was one I could be effective at, though. So, um, so the answer is yes, but make sure you have the right background to get yourself there. Absolutely. You know, confidence along with competencies do matter. And now when we are talking about, you know, the key is that you also had some, you got a really good deal, as you mentioned, you know, as you walked out, they treated you well. So it was important that, you know, from the sound of it, that you had set some money aside. So you- as humans, we're naturally driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search, match with Indeed. When I was looking to hire someone, it was so slow and overwhelming. I wish I had used Indeed. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. And Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash podcast. That's Indeed.com slash podcast. Terms and conditions apply. You could take that break. Well, yes. And, you know, uh, when you think about wealth, um, you know, there's a couple of thresholds that I think about. One is... Um, emergency money, you know, three or four or five months in the bank so that if something happened, you'd be, you wouldn't worry about the next day, how am I going to pay for things? Um, and then you move into some years of compensation in the bank so that if you were to lose your job, particularly at a senior level, it might take a year or two to find another good job. Uh, you're not going to, you know, get thrown out of your home or something. And, and by that point, I had been fortunate enough to put away um, a few years of salary, which I know is a blessing. I mean, I know, I know that's very, very hard to do, and I was fortunate enough to be able to do it. Um, that combined with uh, the, the, the exit uh, that was arranged from the prior company, I was, let's say, you're always a little nervous that you might run out, but I wasn't exceptionally nervous about it. So I could give myself some time to get the business going. Um, but when you have obligations, if you don't do that, it's, it's really, you know, you create an awful lot of stress for yourself. Uh, non-productive stress, I'd say. Absolutely. And you're so right on that. So now since you mentioned that, you know, that your team works with 100 CEOs. So as far as, you know, like, it's always a thing that people are always not so much aware of, you know, how CEOs' brains work. And usually the field they're in, you know, it's, it's, it's a lonely place because they have to act tough. What would you share are the top qualities or just the qualities itself that helps people move from the managers to directors to VP to board of directors to get into the seat of being a CEO? Um, I'll tell you a little story from earlier in my career and then we can translate that. So um, I mentioned that when I was in that marketing job, I had a sales project and we were after, you know, about a million dollars of market share. We were trying to take from a competitor. So I was out trying to sell our product and win market share. And, um, you know, a few months into it, I had moved about $600,000 of the million dollars in market share. So this is all new revenue for us, right? 
Um, right. My boss sat down with me at one point. He says, well, how's it going? And I, I had a little spreadsheet that I had been keeping track of it. And I said, look, you know, I've moved $600,000 of the million target. I think I'm not going to get the rest. But, you know, it's a 50% margin product. So we're, we've created $300,000 of new profit. You pay me. At that point, I was making about $35,000 a year. I said, so I'm doing really good for you. You know, you should, you should want five more guys like me because that's good. <laughs> and what was, to me, here's what was shocking. He, he looked, he stopped for a second and he said, uh, oh my God, I wish everybody thought about it like that. And my response was, I mean, like, I'm not sure what the other way to think about it would be besides I created more than I cost. So that's a good thing, right? I mean, right. So that, that ownership over the impact and the results that you have, I think is one of the primary criteria for somebody who's going to advance in an organization. Um, we're not just punching time. We're not just, oh, well, it didn't work out, but total accountability for creating way more value than you cost all the time. For me, that's job assurance. That's a way to make sure you're always going to be employed. If you can do that in whatever job you do, uh, a, you'll always have a job, but B, you'll always move up. Um, and so I think ownership and responsibility and accountability that, and taking it the other element is uh, my father had a saying, which was play the part, get the job. So take the responsibility and ownership and deliver the results without regard to title or without regard to pay, because those things work out. Um, I always used to tell people that, look, you're never underpaid for long. If you're truly creating immense value and you're not being paid for it, don't worry. The next company will pay you for it <laughs> because these things work out or you'll do it on your own and you'll get paid for it. So accountability, ownership and delivering results. Those would be very big ones for me. Um, and I think that the last element, and this is a really significant sign of really good CEOs is that they're just voracious learners. They are curious, thirsty people all the time. Um, and I think that is a real differentiator of some of the really excellent CEOs. That they just always want to learn the best thing, learn the next thing and try to grow themselves. Mm -hmm. No, definitely. Being an executive coach and working with CEOs, you definitely have those two capabilities and the abilities, as you mentioned, you know, right on the mark. And now, you know, as CEOs, you know, the changing times, they're facing so many different challenges, so to speak. So, you know, a couple of them, like, you know, what I've usually found is that always hiring the right talent and also the customer relationships and expectations are moving so fast in this today's increasingly changing digital landscape that it's hard to manage those. So can you share some of the insights how the CEOs or how you have helped CEOs to overcome those challenges? Of managing relationships? Managing customer relationships and their changing expectations. Yeah. Um, you know, the problem, when, I, I, let me characterize it, put into two camps. There's the, the rational customer relationship where we understand that both of us are in business to make money. And uh, part of ensuring that I could be here for you tomorrow is that I need to make, make some money. Um, and it's mutual. It's a, it's a, it's a collaborative win-win uh, a relationship where we're we're transparent and it truly is not only just a business relationship but potentially a personal relationship 
I think those are easy, right? You just have to be yourself. As long as you're an ethical, um, you know, uh, good business person, you're going to do just fine in a rational relationship. The ones I really struggle with, is particularly on the customer side, is when the customers become non-rational. It's an irrational relationship. So what that means is they want an asymmetric relationship. They want one where they win, you lose. Um, and occasionally I've had to be in those relationships. You know, a customer was so big, I couldn't walk away from it. Or, um, there were other reasons why I couldn't exit that relationship. But in an ideal business, I think you don't do business with people like that. Um, and in fact, in my current business, if somebody's irrational or, or just not somebody I want to work with, I choose not to work with them. And that may mean I might grow a little slower, but Hey, it's my business. I get to make that decision. I think entrepreneurs that's one of the beauties of our businesses that we can decide not to do business with somebody if we choose to, if they're simply not ethical or they're just not the kind of people we'd like to do business with. So for me, rational relationships is just about being a stand-up person, being ethical, dealing with people as you would like to be dealt with. Irrational, where they want this asymmetric, good for them, bad for you. I got to be honest, I struggle. Um, I struggle with it. I mean, the best advice I can give there is you just got to call it out and say, look, you know, what you're asking for is extremely negative to me and my business. It would put me in jeopardy as an ability to supply you. And is that really what you want? Um, or am I misunderstanding you somehow? And if they, when you call it out like that, sometimes they'll back down. Um, but if they choose not to, they say, no, this is our process. That's what we need. It's not kind of non-negotiable. And again, in an ideal world, you can say, well, then you probably need to find another supplier because I'm not, I can't do it. And you walk. Um, I, 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 the phrase I've used around that is sometimes it's better to be the second date than the first date. Meaning, <laughs> you know, they got to go try somebody else and have a bad experience and then they'll appreciate the goodness that is you. Right. Right. So, right. No, I like that. That is definitely, you know, so I like what you are saying that, you know, staying true to your values, because so many times what happens is people do have the question that I am here, you know, I got to hire the right talent. So especially in place of, uh, you know, when you put yourself in the CS shoes, I got to make sure that, you know, because, you know, the way our companies work in US, the key is that, you know, you have to have those ROI, those return on investment for every quarter. And if you don't have it, then immediately your shareholders are not happy, your board of directors are not happy. So the key is to stay competitive and keep on creating growth. So when you're true to yourself, then yes, you grow slower, but you are going to be able to sustain that growth. Yeah, it's on a stable base. You know, it's not on a, a creaky foundation with fractures in it and um, and it's at risk all the time. In fact, I was just talking to a client of mine and they have somebody he's dealing with that, that has some behaviors like that. And my advice to him was just don't do business with them. Refuse. You can't, don't become involved in that kind of business. And, uh, that's ultimately what he did because he, he is a very ethical guy and, um, they were asking for some non-ethical things. So I think mm. that, that, that's a must, you know, and, and I only just go on a little, little bit of a, a tear there. I think, unfortunately, business people are poorly represented by uh, by Hollywood and sometimes the media that we're unethical and, you know, we do anything for a dollar. And that's not been my experience. My experience is that 99.5, some high percentage of all business people are highly ethical 
They try to do the right thing uh, because that's how you build a career. You know, if you become known as somebody who's not ethical, that you can't be trusted, you're going to have a very short career. Um, and so I, I do think most people are trying to do the right thing. At least that's been my experience. You're absolutely right. So now, you know, speaking of staying ethical and coming from a place of integrity, you know, there's so many times you hear this in a CEO's world that you got to stay competitive. Mm -hmm. And now when you talk about staying competitive is that, okay, what is it that's going to set the company apart? What is it that's going to set CEO apart? And how can they secure the brand loyalty by anticipating trends and staying ahead of the curve? So how do you coach CEOs to do that? Um, you know, I go back, this is actually, I think Brian Tracy talked about this, but also Michael Porter. Um, there are really only three bases of competition, and you really have to pick which one you're going to be great at. You can either be the lowest cost, think Southwest Air. You can be um, the most innovative, think you know Google or Apple or someone like that. Or you can be the most customer intimate, uh, think Ritz Carlton, um, where they understand their so their clients so well that they know the problems they're going to have before they have them. It's almost clairvoyant. They understand it so well. And so I think first is you have to pick which one you're going to be, uh, either cost or innovation or or customer intimacy. Um, and it's okay to innovate around, around cost or innovate around being customer intimate. It doesn't mean you're not going to innovate, but it means your primary mode is to be an innovator if i'm a 3m or an apple or a google um it's not about being the cheapest um so that's first and then the second is this this voracious learning is about try to stay aware and a little bit paranoid about what's going on in the market so you don't miss a trend um you know andy grove talked about that in his book but I, I think that learning, and not just you learning, but the organization learning and staying ever vigilant about what's new and what, how do we keep that edge given our basis of competition, that's what we advise CEOs. So one is pick the basis of competition to be really clear on it. And you'd be amazed, Divya, how many, C and I talk to thousands of CEOs a year, how many don't know their basis of competition. Or they'll tell me, you know, Jim, it's a miraculous thing. We are a customer innovate, a customer innovate, innovative, low-cost provider. <laughs> and, <laughs> of course, you can't be good at all three, right? So, right. Um, but A, pick, and then B, just relentless about being the best possible on that, uh, on that space. And then the last component is find customers that care about that. So if I'm the most innovative in an industry that really doesn't care about innovation or only a very small percentage of the customers care about innovation, I'm going to have a really tough time um, so make sure that it lines up with your customer wants as well. No, great. Definitely. These are such great tips and it's, you know, we could keep on talking about it. So as we near to the close of our show, would there be two or three things that you could share for our audience? You know, especially, you know, we have not had a time to touch that and maybe we can have you back on the show as there is a lots and lots of uh, women equality movement in today's world and there is this little bit of how should i say fractured relationship between genders and between a lot of different areas in the work 
place, you know, with different generations and all that and keeping all that in mind. And yes, you've talked about the integrity. Along with that, you know, and staying true to your values, could you share two to three tips that people of any gender could use it to be happy, live a balanced li- lives and advance in the career? Yeah. Um, you know, I think the first, and this is more as a leader or a manager, um, you have to meet people where they are. Um, so this would be maybe more generational where we have, um, baby boomers like myself and, you know, we'll complain about millennials or Gen X or Gen Z or, and how come they don't get it? And, um, (laughs) right. And when I hear that, I, I, I'm like, I sound like a grand, uh, my grandparents, you know, like these kids, these days, they don't understand we're just experiencing that again so if you really want to lead you have to go understand where they're coming from what they're good at and how to embrace and utilize that and so that's the nature of a good leader you take the team you have and you maximize what their gifts are rather than complaining about what they're not good at and so they're not going to be a certain some things and you know there's when you think about the whole maximize your strengths i'd rather take somebody who's a nine out of 10 on some particular capability and use them for that, then complain about the factor that they're a three out of 10 and try to move them all the way up to a four, maybe, right? Um, they'll never be great if they're a three. So stop, just let's work on the nine that where they're a nine out of 10. So that's the first one. Meet them where they are and utilize the skills that they have uh, uh, to gender. And while I think both sexes own this uh, to some extent, I'll, I'll just comment on the men for a moment. Um, and I think women get different and not as good advice and coaching earlier in their careers than men do. And that means that over time, when you accumulate that lack of good feedback, that lack of, of, of honest and direct feedback, um, it inhibits them long-term in their career. So if I did, this is more for the men, you need to be direct, you need to be straight, you need to not care what sex they are, you need to tell it like it is. Uh, you know, with love and care and in a a respectful way, but you got to put it out there the way it is because that's the gift. Feedback is a gift and to withhold that gift, I think is a real problem. Um, and you know, for the women, you got to just, and I'll just be honest, men, we were worried that we're going to make a woman cry. (laughs) We do. Uh, and we just got to have some arrangement that either that's okay or you're not going to cry or something. But anyway, Honest and direct feedback at every level, no matter who you are, no matter what your gender is, no matter what your or, uh, your your race is, just direct and honest feedback at all times. I think that's super important. Um, and then maybe the last one, and this is more about the balanced life one, is um, you need to care for self. Um, I think there's a loss of self in this very digitized phone-driven, uh, a virtual relationship world that we live in. And I think we need to continually recenter and care for self. And I know that's sort of almost metaphysical, but that could mean playing soccer if that's your thing that brings you back to center or running or knitting or cooking or you need to care for self and make sure that you have uh, a soul with integrity um, within this very digitized sort of transactional world that we're living in right now. Mm. Definitely. I like that, especially in the light, you know, where they're sharing that the depression and mental illness is on the rise. And actually, they are predicting that by 2020 or even 2025, I don't know the exact year, but pretty soon in the recent 
in the near future we are going to be seeing depression as number one leading disease in the world so definitely mm. i really like that that taking the time for self-care and finding the balance in life yeah yeah i agree and they may be related that the the rate of depression is a lack of self-care and letting the world get to you you know so jim it's been a pleasure having you on the show and thank you so much for sharing your wisdom with us and if our listeners wanted to reach out to you what would be the best way to connect with you um they can uh, go through my linkedin profile jim schlexer um s-c-h-l-e-c-k-s-e-r there aren't too many schlexers i'd be happy to respond there um that'd probably be the best way to get a hold of me uh fantastic well, thank you again. And listeners, thank you again, you know, for joining us and for interacting with us. Greatly appreciate it. And we could not have done the show without Rebel, our sound engineer. So thank you so much again for making it possible. Thank you, Jim. And okay. Thank you, Divya. It was a great pleasure. I had a lot of fun. Thank you for the time. Oh, absolutely. Take care. Bye for now. Bye-bye. Thank you for being part of Beyond Confidence with your host, Divya Park. We hope you have learned more about how to start living the life you want. Each week on Beyond Confidence, you hear stories of real people who have experienced growth by overcoming their fears and building meaningful relationships. During Beyond Confidence, Divya Park shares what happened to her when she stepped out of her comfort zone to work directly with people across the globe. She not only coaches people how to form heart connections, but also transform relationships to mutually beneficial partnerships as they strive to live the life they want. If you are ready to live the life you want and leverage your strengths, learn more at www.divyapark.com and you can connect with Divya at contact at divyapark.com. We look forward to you joining us next week, Monday, 8 p.m. Eastern Time. You know exactly how much sun and water every flower needs in order to bloom. You know when someone's in love based on the bouquet purchased. You know flowers. We can help you find more people to buy them. And by working together, we can get your small business growing. At AT&T Advertising Solutions, we have more ways to reach more people. With print, online, mobile, and direct marketing, AT&T Advertising Solutions has local advertising experts to help your small business find more customers. Call 1-800-GET-REAL to learn more. AT&T. Rethink Possible. You're listening to W4WN Radio, the Women for Women Network, brought to you live by the Talk 4 Media Network at W4WN.com, connecting and empowering women around the globe. Your mission, should you choose to accept it, is to grab a copy of my book at the end of your rope, tie a knot, and hang on. Help has arrived. Just go to Amazon.com and enter my name, Camille Sanzone, or the title of the book. It may just be the best gift you ever gave yourself. Start reading my book and your troubles will self-destruct in five chapters. Is your pet overweight? Suffer from itchy skin and coat problems? Showing signs of food allergies? Then do your pet a favor. Stop by Fiesta Pet Deli. South Florida's original and only fresh food deli for pets. Prepared daily and FDA approved. With products like Bravo, Nature's Variety, and BioComplete. Listen, dogs and cats are carnivores. 90% of their diet should be meat. That dry kibble you put in their bowl every day contains less than half of what their bodies require. Veterinarian owned and operated, Fiesta Pet Deli has one mission. To get your pet as healthy as possible. 
Give them a call today at 954-971-2500. Or come check out their new store at the Festival Flea Marketplace at Sample Road in the Turnpike in Pompano, Florida. They also offer free local delivery, shipping throughout the United States. Check out their website at www.realfoodforpets.com or just Google Fiesta Pet Deli. If you truly love your pet and care about their health, stop by Fiesta Pet Deli. Call today at 954-971-2500. As humans, we're naturally driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search. Match. With Indeed, when I was looking to hire someone, it was so slow and overwhelming. I wish I had used Indeed. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. And Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash podcast. That's Indeed.com slash podcast. Terms and conditions apply. With lucky landslots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.